If you've got a high school reunion coming up, then today's episode is specifically for you. And even if you don't have one coming up soon, we're going to talk all about what we learned from our recent 20-year high school reunions, our interactions with making and receiving amends, some mindset shifts that made all the difference, and some tips on social situations and how to make the most out of your high school reunion experience. A couple weeks ago, Neil and I went to Utah for my 20-year high school reunion, and it was so fun. I had a lot of fun, at least. I don't know how much fun Neil, how much fun Neil I was had. there. He was there. He, was there and that's he did the same thing that I did at his 10 and 20 year reunion, but which is fine, which is great. But we're going to talk today about some things that we learned at our high school reunions. First of all, I'll just start out with the reason why I was more involved than I ever would have imagined I would be at my high school reunion was because of my 12 steps and my step nine when I decided to make amends for something dumb that I did surrounding our 10-year high school reunion or my 10-year high school reunion. So when the news came out that our 10-year high school reunion was being planned, I heard that it was going to be at this place called The Bubble, which is a rec center in Bountiful. And there's, they used to have this big bubble over the pool that they would put up in the winter to keep it warm. And then they'd take it down in the summer. And one of our senior class officers put out all of the social media posts. And I think he was communicating most of it on Facebook, but he said, you know, this is where the reunion's going to be. And I thought it would be funny and clever to make a joke about it on social media about, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something like, first of all, who wants to go to their 10 year reunion, but especially who wants to go when you have to wear a swimsuit, because it was at this rec center where people could go swimming and they were kind of trying to make it like, a family thing like, hey, come, you can swim, you can do all any of the things at the rec center and we'll have this reunion. And I thought it would be so funny to make fun of it. And then once I made fun of it, I kind of felt like, well, almost like I couldn't go or it would be, it would make me look stupid. So I didn't go. And then after I felt a lot of remorse. I was like, gosh, this kid was just trying to be nice. He was trying to put this together. And I just made it harder for him. I may have even influenced other people not to go because I made them hyper aware of the fact that people would be judging them or their bodies or whatever. And I had a classmate who wrote me a message after and she was like, you should have come. It was really fun. Like you missed out. And I felt really bad after that. I knew I was wrong. I knew it was dumb for me to make fun of something that someone was trying to just put some good effort into because it was his responsibility and because he was trying to gather people so they could reunite and catch up. So when I did my 12 steps, he was actually the very first person I reached out to. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yes. It was, well, and sometimes people will tell you in a step nine that you should do what is the, what is the typical advice? It's that you should do your hardest one or the most important ones first. Is that right? Depends on who you ask. But a lot of people will say that, <laughs> a lot right? Of people will say is do the hardest one first. Yeah. I've heard it also. Other people say the other way around, like start with an easier one. And then, so it just depends. But I do, I have heard that. Just do like, get the, get it out of the way. Do the hardest one first. Well, I had my list written out and he was on there. And then like the next day I was on Facebook and it popped up that he was online. And I thought, 
or I saw like a status profile update or whatever. And I thought, this is my sign. I need to reach out to this kid and say, I'm sorry. So I did. I sent him a DM and just said, hey, I was wrong. And this was super dumb of me. And I'm sorry. And he was really nice, really kind, really understanding. This was a few years later, maybe like two or three years after that. And he was so compassionate and understanding, just like, oh, you know what? No worries. Like, we all do dumb stuff like that. And it was kind of, he even said, it was kind of an awkward place to have a reunion. And so anyway, after that, I decided that the other thing I would do to make amends for anyone that I may have influenced to not go that for our 20-year reunion, I would make myself available to help because I know those things take a lot of time and effort. So I basically volunteered myself to be on the committee for our 20-year reunion. And I'm so glad I did because I got to connect with all of the other people who were on the committee and kind of rekindle some of those friendships with people that I normally wouldn't talk to otherwise. So it was a great opportunity to make a living amends and do something that would show in my actions that I wanted to do kind of the opposite. People will do that. They'll like plant a tree or make a donation in someone's name or whatever. But for me, I felt like I can make almost an exact amends to what I did wrong and try to do it right the next time around. So that was a cool opportunity for me. But Neil and I after also just talked about a lot of the interesting observations that we made with reconnecting with people and seeing people at their reunions. And what were some of your takeaways, Neil, after you went to your reunion? There there were probably a few different ones, but I think the main thing was, was it was really cool just to see how people had kind of developed into their own person, so to speak. They're like, they're living their own lives. I remember going to my, our 10 year and just, I think I had it in my mind that the same sociality that existed in high school, like still existed somehow. Hmm. Like, and I realized very quickly, like, oh, no one cares. (laughs) Like all of this stuff that I used to think mattered and everybody's watching you or, or not watching you or what are they doing or what are they not doing? Like it really doesn't matter. And it was really cool and kind of freeing to see that at the 10 year. And then at the at my 20 year reunion, it was cool to just see how people had formed their own lives and their families and to see where they were at. And I think just people who showed up, I'm, I was always surprised to see who was there and who wasn't there. There were people there that I thought that I'm like, wow, I'm surprised they came to this. Like they just didn't seem this like this, that type of a person, or maybe they just were in a, in a, difficult spot personally and feeling a little vulnerable, but they showed up anyway. Or there were people that looking back, I thought, wow, they're, they're really into staying connected and, and being plugged in on what people are up to. And those people weren't there. Like there was a few people that I was surprised to see that, that weren't there. So I think it, it can be a very interesting place and, and even walking into it I felt a lot of that's the same feelings of being in high school all over again. And I'm like, man, this is weird. I feel like I'm having to, to kind of calibrate myself away from how I used to think as a teenager in high school to dude, I'm like 40 years old. Who cares about I'm past so much of this stuff, but it's interesting being in that environment again, how some of that can come back out and it's interesting to take a look at it. 
and really see it for what it is and and see what really truly matters at this point in life. Well, one thing my therapist told me when I was doing some therapy a couple of years ago is when we go back to familiar spaces and interactions with people, a lot of times our old roles can come back. So she said most of the time for people when they go back to their family of origin, the same role that they played as a child, they automatically snap right back into it. And that for sure happens to me. When I'm around my family, suddenly I snap back into I'm the oldest, most responsible. How can I help? I should be doing dishes. Like that's kind of my automatic role that I jump into whenever I walk into my parents' home. It's a subconscious automatic thing. It's kind of weird. So I can see what you're saying where you walk in. And I felt that. you. I walked into Bountiful High School and immediately, this was one of the funniest things. It smells the same. It smelled the same. And it's funny how some of those sight smell things can trigger emotional responses of feeling like you're right back in that same place. It was weird to walk into Bountiful High. And even though most of the school has been remodeled, so it doesn't look exactly the same on the inside, it sure did smell the same, which was funny. And then when I peeked around one of the corners and saw one of the old hallways that hasn't been redone, and it just it looks so much better the old way where they had these wood floors and red brick and red lockers. They've done some weird remodeling inside of the high school. But anyway, it did. It took me right back. But here's what I think is so interesting about what you're saying and then what I observed too, because I saw it in both your high school reunion and mine, is this. Nobody cares. Just like you said, nobody cares about the things that you think everyone's going to care so much about. Eleanor Roosevelt said, you wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. And you and I have talked about that before. We've talked about it even on the podcast before, that people really don't walk around and think about you the way you think they are. Not to say that nobody cares, like nobody, that you don't matter to people, but all the subconscious, self-conscious things that you carry around and that you worry about, people really are not thinking about. Most people are just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about whatever they have to take care of that day and the people that they're worried about in their own very close-knit family life or maybe the people they're responsible for at work or their money situation or their health or their whatever. Most people are just thinking about all of their problems and not really taking, even if they do think about you, it's going to be for maybe 30 seconds and or 10 seconds. They're going to go right back to thinking about themselves. So this was interesting. As we were planning the reunion on one of the calls, someone brought up, they said, hey, I just wanted to bring this up that I've heard from a few people that they're thinking about not coming because they're worried about how they haven't lost enough weight. And that turned into this whole topic where everybody was like, yeah, I've heard that from a few people too. And yeah, that, and then it turned into a internal conversation with everybody on the thread saying, well, I, I still have baby weight and my baby's five years old, or I still haven't lost the weight that I wanted to lose. And well, I'm carrying a few extra pounds around. And then someone who was like, well, I've 
gotten divorced since the last time most people have seen me and I'm single right now and I have a few kids or so we just started talking about these things that people might be self-conscious about if they feel like they're showing up to a place where everyone's going to judge them and it's going to be kind of like a well what have you been up to and oh does this person take care of their body and do they care about how they look and do they look as good as they did in high school or better or worse or whatever So I wrote a post because I was kind of handling all the social media for this reunion. I I wrote a post and I just said, if you're thinking about not coming because of your weight, or I said, if you've lost some hair, if it's going gray, or your financial or family goals don't align perfectly with your current reality, guess what? Everyone we've talked to falls into some or all of these categories. And I said, it doesn't matter if you aren't the same size as you that you were in high school. It doesn't matter if you aren't as successful financially as you had hoped. No one will be checking your bank statements. It doesn't matter if you did dumb stuff in high school that you regret. Who didn't? We were kids. Whatever is holding you back from coming, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I wrote it three times. And I said, we want to see you. And then I just talked about how everyone's been through hard things at this point. Everyone has some reality in life that they've had to face. And nobody cares about your reason for not coming. Everyone just wants to see the people they haven't seen for however many years. And we just are there to reconnect. Nobody's there to judge or to take inventory of other people and how good or not good they're doing or whatever. It's just about seeing and reconnecting with people. And I I wrote a couple of posts like that. I wrote one that was like the day before too, where I just said, the theme is come as you are. Come as you are. We want you there. Nobody cares about whatever your excuse is for not wanting to show up because you feel inadequate, just come. We love you. We want you there. And what was surprising were were the conversations that followed that at the reunion. How many of my classmates said to me, I wasn't going to come. And then I saw your post and I changed my mind. And what I think is so cool about that is that there were people who did have things that were holding them back, but then They took courage and said, I'm going to go anyway. And even though this thing, like my weight or my relationship status or my work right now, my job, my financial status isn't where I want it to be, I'm still just going to go anyway. And that was so cool to me to see people who just said, I'm going to just overcome my fears or my insecurities and I'm going to go reconnect with other people. And what's so cool too about when you do that is you stop making it so much about yourself and you make it more about, well, maybe I'm going to be there to help someone else or make them feel loved or seen or recognized. And that's what I saw going on. I saw so many people just genuinely loving and connecting with each other. And I love that that was really the theme was come as you are, we love you. We accept you for who you are. We want you there no matter what. And it was awesome to see people really take that on and embody that. And and that that really was the theme of our reunion. It's a very interesting opportunity. And it's really weird that it can bring up so many different emotions, positive and negative. But I think some of the most powerful experiences that I had were opportunities that I had to like make some type of an amends Mm -hmm. in person with a few people. And, and just, I think there were a couple of those moments where I'm like, Hey, 
looking back, I was going through a lot of different emotional <laughs> challenges and things yeah. at that time. Like the person that I was in high school is extremely different than who I am now. Hopefully for the better, I think for the better. Definitely for the better. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I look back and I know understanding now after going through recovery, after going through challenges, like emotionally, I can see what the root of the problems were for me personally in high school and then what that led to as far as my interactions with others. There was one one person in particular, like I had an opportunity to kind of explain a little bit about that and and just say, hey, look, like I've kind of come to really understand more about myself and where that came from and just to apologize, like, hey, I'm sorry, I was not very kind <laughs> to this person. And I've actually, there's been a couple different people that I've made amends to in those scenarios. But, but also I think there were cool stories and things that I remembered where I'm like, wow, like, okay, I did do something good. Somebody brought up an instance that I totally didn't even remember or hardly is like, Hey, there's this kid was, was beaten up on me. And it was actually like one of my friends and I pulled him off and he's like, dude, I just want to say thanks. And I'm like, I barely even remember that. <laughs> and and then I'm like, I, I vaguely remember that, but okay, cool. Like, I guess I, I did something right back then and it made a difference. I think it wasn't so much, it really wasn't a big deal to me that I did that. Really what was cooler for me was that I could see the impact that it had for this, this kid. Enough of an impact that he would mention it 20 years later. And then I think there was another person too that I think it meant a lot that I remembered who he was. And I did remember him. He was like, I had a class with him and he's like, Hey man, he's with his friend. And he's like, Hey, do you remember me? And I, I said his name. I'm like, yeah, dude, totally. And it was really, I could tell it meant a lot. So I, I think that those small interactions, small and simple things and small niceties or times that we make an effort that we might not even remember them, but that can stick with people for years in a positive way. I think a lot of times we think of the inverse of like, oh my gosh, this person probably still thinks at this time that I wronged them or, or maybe it, that actually does. But the opposite is true as well. Like the small and simple things that we do to build or lift others has a huge impact and can last for a long time. Well, what you said about the way that you remember things and the way other people remember things, that was actually really funny to me too. At my reunion, one of my classmates said, do you know what I remember about you? And I went, I looked at him and thought, oh boy, I have no idea what he's going to say. No, I thought, oh, maybe he'll say that he remembers me being a piano nerd. I don't know. Cause this was a kid that I went to junior high and high school with. And that's kind of what I was known for was just being like the piano playing girl. <laughs> And he said, I remember that your dad worked for Browning. And do you remember that I used to like draw all these Browning symbols on everything? And I would ask you questions. And I was like, no, I don't remember anything about that. But it was funny that that was his memory. And that was his association with me was my dad worked for Browning, which my dad didn't really work for Browning. He did Browning's patent work as a patent attorney. And he still does. But it was funny that that was like his core strong memory of Corinne Foster was her dad works for Browning. My memory of him was so different, but now I look at him and I'm like, wow, you are 
so different than what you were in high school and in the best way. And it doesn't matter what any of these people did in high school because I look at them now and I just see them for all of the potential of where they've risen to or what they've overcome or what they've chosen to do with their life. And I, I feel like when I went to my reunion, there was no part of me that was like, oh, so that person, I feel like it was an automatic, just this feeling of kind of nostalgic love of, yeah, these are the people that helped raise me. Basically, these were my peers that encircled me as I like figured out who I was in life. It was interesting also being on the receiving end of a lot of amends. One of them came from a friend who said, hey, I just want you to know that I'm super sorry that I knew you were going to ask this guy to a dance and I wanted to ask him. So I hurried and asked him before you could. And I felt bad for it all these years. And I was like, oh, I don't remember that happening. I wasn't even aware of it. I wouldn't have even been mad about it then. Like, all's fair in love and war. I didn't even like the guy. He was just my friend. But it was funny that that was something she carried around for so many years when I was like, oh, it's fine. I don't care. I wouldn't have cared then. I don't care now, you know? Or people who even were like, yeah, I was mean to you and I'm sorry. And now I'm just like, it's fine. We were kids. We were dumb. We were all just learning. We were, And I still feel like I'm just figuring things out. But I think that we overthink the worst about ourselves and what other people perceive out of those mishaps or mistakes or whatever. And most of the time when you make amends, people are like, oh, I haven't even thought of that or it really wasn't that big of a deal. Or even if it was hurtful, like that was in the past, I forgive you. And I feel like we build things up in our minds to be way bigger than they actually usually are. Not to say that you shouldn't make amends because I think amends are beautiful and they're so healing and healing a lot of times for the person who needs to make the amends. But still, I think that we can a lot of times have so much fear and anxiety over something that's not going to be that big of a deal. I actually did that the other day with the dentist. I hadn't been to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned in so long. And so I kept like canceling or putting off my appointment because I felt like I was going to have to do the walk of shame. And I was so afraid of how many cavities I was going to have because I didn't, I didn't go for forever. My appointment didn't work out like a couple years ago. So then I was pregnant. I miscarried. I got pregnant again. Then I was on bed rest and I had all these excuses. So it's been six months since I had my baby. And that's how long it took me to be like, okay, for real, I need to go. And I was like dreading that appointment. I got my teeth cleaned. And at the end, I was like, so how bad is it? She was like, you're good. You don't have any cavities. And I was like, oh, seriously, I have been wasting so much energy worrying about how bad this was going to be. And it really wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that big of a deal. No, I think we can put so much mental energy into it and worry so much about what other people think. I love the kind of the phrase. I, I heard it. I heard it in recovery. Actually, somebody said it in a meeting, I think it's kind of a, I don't know if a common one that people throw out, but the, the idea that what, what other people think of me is none of my business. And I've thought a lot about that. I'm like, you know what? It's, it, that is very true. And it's a beautiful place to live. I think kind of in that mindset of, you know, it really, that's, that doesn't have anything to do with me as far as like that I, what I need to be concerned about or worried about. 
that's kind of the control. What can I control? What can I not control? What do I need to surrender? And that's a big one is, is the perception and what that can do in our, in our minds. So super, super interesting. My dad gave me some great advice too, before we went into the reunion, he said, Corinne, you're going to be a light to others and you need to go because they need to see your light. And that was a cool thing to think about going into it. And I really tried to think, how can I help other people instead of how can I make sure that people think I'm a certain way or come off a certain way? And I think that we do have these opportunities to, Chris Jones talked talked about this on our podcast, A Thousand Points of Light, and how we will have different points of light where we intersect in our lives with other people. And it can be a good or bad interaction depending on what we make of it. So having all of these points of light and intersections and interactions with lots of my old classmates, it was really cool to just go in with that intention of trying to make people feel loved and feel light and how good it felt after that instead of having a focus on like, what are people going to think of me? I love that. And I think that that's such a cool thing to do in any circumstance where there's like nerves or you can never go wrong trying to like be kind and serve others. And that's something that I've, I've tried to be better at is approaching situations with that mindset of just being, how can I be of service? Because it gets me out of that kind of like ego self being consumed and and worried about me. Cause I think a lot of times that can be kind of an ego driven thing, at least for me to get outside of that and just be like, let me focus on another person and how I can help and serve and be uplifting. Then it, it breaks that kind of selfish thinking and, and being consumed and worried about yourself. And it's amazing to see what conversations become of that and true connections happen because of having an attitude of trying to serve and be a light for other people. You know that I love to have all roads lead back to beware of pride. My it's favorite, good, it's a good my one. favorite talk. And I love that he says in that talk, when pride has a hold on our hearts, we lose our independence of the world and deliver our freedoms to the bondage of men's judgment. This goes along with what you were talking about a second ago with not caring what other people think. But I think I try to take that even one step above just telling myself I don't care, but putting that what I care about in God's hands and saying where I need my validation is from God. And if I'm good with God, then I'm good with everybody else. And I'm good with even people misunderstanding or misjudging me. Like if I know I'm good with God, then it's fine if other people think that I'm not a good mom or maybe I'm not spending money the way they would have spent their money or whatever. Or oh, I can't believe you live so far away from your family, or I can't believe you work and have a nanny or whatever it is. You know, I feel like I know I'm very solid and very secure in my validation from God that he's aware of me. He loves me. And I ask him all the time, am I doing this the right way? Am I doing this the way you want me to do this? And that's the way you and I live our whole life. And we're definitely, (laughs) we're far, far far from perfect, but we're always checking in with God. Is this what you want? Does this make you happy? Is this how you want us to live our lives? And because of that, I feel like my validation 
comes from a place that's unvaried, unchanged. And I'm willing to move when God wants me to move or shift or change. And then when he doesn't and he's giving me that validation, it's okay if other people don't see me the way that I want them to see me. Because like you said, you can't control what other people think of you. And also when you put your validation in someone else's hands, then you lose you lose your freedom to the bondage of men's judgment, which is what President Benson said. But if you're listening to this because you're about to go to a reunion, and even if you're not, if you have some kind of a social event where you're feeling a little bit of social anxiety, I know that's a real thing for people. This is my greatest hack for any type of social anxiety that you might ever have is that people love to talk about themselves. So if you're feeling nervous about what people might ask you about, or if they're going to start talking to you about something that you feel uncomfortable sharing details about or whatever, just make it about them. Just start asking them about what they're looking forward to or what their hobbies are or what they're spending most of their time doing. I think you will also want to be very careful. I learned this when I went to Rwanda. They told us as journalists, I was I was there as a blogger, but all of the journalists that came on this trip with Kate Spade to interview the women that worked in a handmade factory in Rwanda, they said, you need to be very careful about how you ask these women about their families because so many of them, their family members died in the genocide. So you can't say, tell me about your mom and dad because you might just put them right into a that, that could be really triggering for them where they might feel really emotional, really sad. So instead you say, tell me about who you live with. That's a much safer question where it comes off as non-threatening. They don't immediately feel triggered. So I like to ask people in a situation like that where I have no idea if they're unemployed, if they're divorced, if they have kids, if they don't. I was trying to ask questions like, tell me about what you're up to lately or what are you looking forward to? Or what are your what are your summer plans? Things like that are just very open-ended and they don't assume anything. I think if you go to a social situation like that where you try to make as few assumptions as possible and you make it about the other person, you're gonna have mostly really good, genuinely uplifting interactions. I think the one of the main takeaways that I got from reunion just to see how people progress for a lot of people they've just been through hard things or challenges or whatever but what i do love is there's a line from the arp manual the addiction recovery program manual where it says because of the atonement of jesus christ you do not have to be the person you have been so if there are things in your life or in people's lives that maybe are not good or satisfactory or where they want to be like the cool thing about that is regardless is you can be something different. And I think what's amazing is to see a lot of people who have done that. I saw a lot of people at my reunion who not necessarily that they were like bad or anything, but just they had they hadn't developed in certain ways or maybe they were like super quiet and reserved, but then all of a sudden you see them now and they're like uber confident and really solid in who they are and it's just like man, wow. Like the you really you can see the growth in people. And I think that that's always an opportunity and option because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Like regardless of where you're at in life or it's never too late for that one. 
I think that was a takeaway that I saw that that kind of reminded me in going through that experience that one, there were several examples of it. And then two, that it's never too late. Like even if there were things that somebody wanted to change or I want to change about myself, I can still do it. Like as long as I'm I'm here, you know? Yeah. Okay. These are some logistical things too that I meant to mention. Number one, start planning way in advance. If you have any thing to do with your class reunions. I wish we would have started putting the dates out like a year in advance. So plan in advance. Number two, when we rolled up to Bountiful High School, we saw the advertisements for the 30-year reunion people. And of course, the people older than us are much wiser and more experienced. They had food trucks. They had just booked food trucks to come to the parking lot. And then people could just pay for their own food instead of us having to hope and pray that we had planned for the right amount of food. We did pretty good. We didn't have too many leftovers and we had plenty of food for everyone, but food trucks, man, I wish I would have thought of that. And lastly, if you have any regrets because you recently went to your 10 or 20 or even 30 year or whatever year reunion, there's always a chance to reach out and make amends. There's always a chance to make things right. If you listen to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I had this interaction or I had this conversation or maybe I didn't go to my reunion because I felt self-conscious about this, that or the other. It's never too late, like you said. And it's also never too late to just reach out to somebody, send a DM or an email or whatever, and then go to your next one. And if you feel like you're available and you have time and you can, Get involved because it's one of the best things that I feel like I've ever done is to be involved in bringing people back together and having a little bit of influence on helping people to feel comfortable coming, coming as they are. And if that's something that you can do to do it, because there's such a need for that. There's a need for all of us to feel included and seen and needed and loved. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.